0: Two-time National Sports Media Association Montana Sportscaster of the Year and three-time loser, the Jason Walker Show—the best local and statewide sports coverage, featuring the biggest guests from Montana. Clint Rasmussen uh, joining us here on the Jason Walker Show is freaking exhausting too. You used to dance a lot more. Yeah, I know, lady. I'm 51 years old now. The
1: NAI Hall of Famers Mike VanDyse joining us here, Jason Walker Show. And is it just a deal where quarterbacks have to? Be Hey, Happy Tuesday. It is the Jason Walker Show and presented by Capital Collision Center. Here inside the Major Mortgage Man Cave, big show today. We're going to check in at the U.S. Open in New York, the fanless U.S. Open, with Nick McCarvel, the former Capital State champ in tennis and a fantastic writer. Also, uh, we're going to get his thoughts on what happened over the weekend with Novak Djokovic and uh, a whole lot more. And it'll be... Uh, coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes or so. Also, we have our Auto Concepts Performance of the Week we'll hand out. And we have a, we have a leader in the clubhouse for next week already. Uh, Drew Johnson of Bozeman currently at halftime. Uh, Bozeman boys are playing Belgrade boys soccer. He has six goals. Uh, that ties the state record, and it's only at the half. Uh, the Helen High girls are leading 4-1. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll keep an eye on Mr. Johnson down there in the Gallon Valley because we have an early leader for the performance of the week next week from Auto Concepts. Speaking of Auto Concepts, unbelievable job that they do. And, you know, we don't know what to expect this fall. We know we get to hunt because we can do, the, uh, gu- wow, 3, 2, 1. We can go do the outdoor stuff. So you know, it's time to get your winch. You never know. You might need a help. You might get stuck. You you just never know. Get a lift kit for your truck, Auto Concepts. Check them out. They are fantastic. I talked about it last week, the bed rug over the uh, regular bed cover. Bed rug is the way to go. It's washable. So if you get a little blood on it, who cares? Wash it off. Uh, Auto Concepts, check it out. We'll have our Auto Concepts performance of the week coming up uh, here in a little bit. All right, but let's start as we do each and every day uh, with our COVID update. 8,381 total confirmed cases since March in Montana. 66 new ones confirmed today. 119, unfortunately, have passed away. 161 currently in the hospital. We have had 6,270 recovered, which is the good news. There are 1,992 active cases in the state of Montana. Yellowstone County, down to 806 active, 233 in Rosebud, 142 Bighorn, and 182 Cascade, 151 in the Flathead. We have 50 in Deer Lodge County, 36 in Gallatin, 14 in, Yellowst- or in uh, Lewis and Clark, and a uh, smattering of uh, 53 up in Great F- or in uh, Glacier. Speaking of Great Falls, the 182 in Cascade County includes some students and two more confirmed positive cases today as of just about a half an hour ago in uh, East Middle School and Parrish Gibson up in Great Falls. Those two students are quarantined. Contract tracing is happening, contact tracing. Uh, A few days ago, two positive tests came out of Great Falls High. As of today, there are 50 people quarantined who were in close contact with those cases at Great Falls High. But it's okay to be in school what they say that is our uh, COVID update for the uh, state of Montana at the moment where we are Um, let's see what else did we want to get to uh, early on here so had a great weekend what a crazy weekend though Um, record-setting temperatures on Saturday golf So I golfed Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Did 36 holes Saturday. And then Sunday, we took the little one to the uh, swimming pool for the last time this year because it closed yesterday. Well, nobody was at the pool yesterday because it was cold and wet. And thankfully for the fires, especially uh, Bozeman. But, man... What you talk about today, and it's funny watching national media explode because Wyoming got some snow yesterday, and Denver and Colorado, we're going to get some snow tomorrow or today. But they had, like, fire warnings and red flag warnings and also winter storm warnings. And then we remember in Montana we had the same thing literally all weekend. Like, we're going to have fires, we're going to have really hot temperatures, and then we're also going to have snow and cold. Now, if you look around, there's some snow in the in the upper elevations, but nobody cares about Montana weather-wise except us, which is fine. Which remember, we talked to Janice Dean, Fox News uh, senior meteorologist, a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about the named storms for the winter, and just, you know, it's just another day in Montana. But anyway, it was like, it was a fun weekend. Had a good time. There was... I uh, wish I was at Derby yesterday. Uh, Orrin Larson took the uh, honors, $11,000, for the Yellowstone Riggin' Rally. Uh, about 2,000 fans were out in the soggy, windy, and cold at Derby Rodeo Arena. The top 24 bareback riders in the PRCA World Standings were in Derby, as well as some cast members from the TV show Yellowstone. But uh, Orrin Larson with an 86 and a half, got the, uh, the win and the $11,000 and, uh, has moved to sixth in the world standings, which, uh, is a pretty cool deal. And I think they're going to do it next year as well, but, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun. Richmond champion was there. Tilden Hooper, Tanner Ross. I mean, these are guys that are real good. And, uh, would have liked to have been over there, but uh, instead, cooked dinner for the uh, in-laws. So, there you go. That's what I did yesterday. Hope you had a great weekend. And, uh, by the way, the Northern Rodeo Association wrapped up at Helmville, and we talked about it last week, they will not have a finals um, in Kalispell this year. So, whoever was on top yesterday, or at the end of Helmville over the weekend... Is your or are your champions? So that includes J2 Bridges and bareback Tyler Hooley of Browning won steer wrestling. Then there was a whole bunch of Hellenins. Ty Everson of East Helena, Timmy Sparing, Jet Murphy, Austin Whitehouse, Logan Beatty, two through six. And then Colby Bignell, Ty Erickson were in there. I, Ty Erickson won the first NRA event of the year, and then I don't think he did anything after that NRA. But uh, Michaela Witter of Helena won the breakaway. Tie down goes to Jade Gardner of Winnett. Michaela Witter is a sweetheart. She rodeos at U.M. Western as well. Uh, Alan Gilbert of uh, Browning took saddle bronc. Team roping goes to Garrett Duncan and Matt Robertson, Belgrade Manhattan, respectively. Rope, three irons, finished fourth in the standings. And we still have yet to get him. we got to get him on the show. Rope, three irons, and clay gun shows. Those are two dudes we need to get on the show. Uh, Lindsey Cruz took the barrel racing. Bull riding, Riley Barrick, So Peyton Fitzpatrick will not get a three-peat. But uh, Riley wins it all around. Ben Ayer of Glendive. All-around uh, cowgirl goes to Tammy Joe Carpenter at So, Rookie of the Year, Bareback, Micah Frazier, Alan Gobert of uh, Saddle Bronc, and Caden Fitzpatrick in bull riding. Tie down, Cole Denton, who also Rookie of the Year in steer wrestling, and Team Roping, Rope 3 Irons, and Paige Palin, Ladies Barrel Racing, Brooke Bacall, Breakaway. So, cool. Good, good stuff. Oh, rookie! Um, did I get. To, yeah, yeah, we did. All right, so good stuff in the NRA, and uh, they'll be back super strong next year. But all of us will, right? All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We'll give you an update on. Oh, Rachel Plaster of Helena now has a hat trick. Seven-one, uh, the Bengal girls lead. Um. Three goals is great, still not six like Drew Johnson down in Bozeman. Holy cow. So we'll keep an eye on uh, the soccer that's going on right now. But when we return, we're going to talk some tennis. U.S. Open tennis, Novak Djokovic got into some trouble. Uh, we're going to talk Serena Williams. We're also going to talk French Open and much more. With the man who has a state championship, Nick McCarville. From Capitol High. He joins us from Arthur Ashe Stadium when we return here. Jason Walker Show presented by Capitol Collision Center. Coming right back. Give J.R. McFadden, NMLS number 1246357, a call today at 406-465-1918, or you can visit him at 2001 11th Avenue, Building A, Suite 3 in Helena. Major Mortgage is a division of MCAT Mortgage, NMLS number 129122, equal housing lender. Do you love to look at photos of Montana from animals to landscapes and more? Are you looking for a place to get your senior pictures or family portraits done? Are you a business owner looking to upgrade the decor in your offices? Well, look no further than Mark LaRoe Photography. Mark has been shooting beautiful photos all across the Treasure State, from rodeos to portraits, and would love to work with you. Visit MarkLaRoePhotography.com to see many masterpieces of his work, then give him a call to schedule your own photo shoot. Or to purchase one of his fantastic pieces, stop by Spirit of the Big Sky Gallery on Custer in Helena. Cafe Zydeco is a proud sponsor of the Jason Walker Show.
3: Who doesn't love being number one? When your team's dominating the standings or your favorite band rocks the charts at number one? It feels good, right? Kind of like how it feels when you have auto insurance with State Farm. Because making you feel like number one is an honor your local State Farm agent takes seriously. Through the good times and not so good, your State Farm agent's proud to be here to help life go right.
0: Call State
1: Farm agent Mike Miller in Helena today. Well, we're not going to have a triple crown winner this year. Tis the law faded down the stretch at the uh, Kentucky Derby over the weekend. And uh, courtesy of uh, NBC Sports here. Good stuff, though. Remember our uh, friend Barry Abrams told us Friday to, that Authentic could be one that pulls an upset. Nobody expected it, though. Um, they called it um, massive upset. It, war- it really wasn't. I mean, Authentic went off at pretty good odds. Um, but Bob Baffert then fell after. In the He's okay, the trainer. But uh, there's, the, uh, there's the win is Authentic upsets tis the law. So we'll see what happens. With Mister Big news at forty six to one, taking third. Remember, we told you the money was going to be who finishes second and third, and Mister Big coming in at forty six to one. So there you go. Uh, speaking of horse racing, there are some horses in tennis. Rafa Dahl, Roger Federer, um, Andy Murray, who lost earlier in uh, the week. At uh, the U.S. Open, Novak Djokovic, who is in a little bit of hot water, Serena Williams on the women's side. There's just some powerful horses that, that are in the world of tennis. And to join us now on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline to chat about what happened with Novak over the weekend. And if you missed it, Novak did some something bad. He fired a ball and it hit a line judge right in the throat and it was not a good situation, and to uh, chat about it now, our good friend, he is the uh, U.S. Open commentator and reporter, also does some work for the Olympic Channel, and joining us now on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline, it is our friend Nick McCarvel.
0: His 18th Grand Slam, uh, with all due respect night, to everyone else uh, who was taking.
1: actually in one of the stadiums. Are you in Asher, Armstrong? I mean, where are we at of here, Nick?
4: <laughs> yeah hi jason hi from new york city um yeah i'm actually up top you might hear some of the wind that's coming through arthur Ashe stadium and I, i'm at the very very top i've just actually we've been wearing masks everywhere so i just took my mask off to chat with you and be in a private place without anyone else around but um strange to watch right now there's a quarterfinal going on and i'd say there's 50 people watching it everyone credentials and on-site working versus the, i guess, usually 10,000 people that would watch this match otherwise.
1: It has been weird to watch some of the highlights and some of the matches with nobody there. Um, Nick McCarville, our guest here, Jason Walker Show. Let's start with the controversy over the weekend. Novak Djokovic getting kicked out um, of the Open, getting defaulted, and it's a different situation than what happened with Serena a few years ago, which we'll talk about too here in a second, but... What was your take on Novak and the whole situation with the line judge?
4: Yeah, it was really too bad. I mean, you know, the tennis rules are pretty clear, and everyone that I spoke with inside of tennis, whether it be former players, commentators, I'm I'm a friend with a former official that I was texting with, everyone basically said, you know, no matter the intent, and it was obviously accidental what Novak did, um, if you hit someone with a ball on court, the the way and the manner that he did, he hit the ball somewhat hard, not super hard, but hard enough, and it hit that lineswoman in the throat. It's just an automatic default, and it was really, I mean, it's just the worst luck because obviously he was frustrated in the match. He's a world number one. He had a tough first set against a player that he should certainly have been beating, and out of frustration, he hit the ball in court, and the player, according to the rule book, has the responsibility. The player to make sure that they're keeping everyone safe on court as everyone else is. And so, you know, the officials came out, they talked about it, but, you know, the woman was hit in the throat. She went down. She was obviously, I think, probably more shocked and surprised equally as as much as she was physically injured by the ball hitting her in the throat. I I think, from what I understand, she's doing physically okay now. But it was just a terrible situation. And, And to see, I mean, it was very... I guess par for the course for 2020 is that it's just, <laughs> this year it continues to bring us these situations that everyone kind of throws their hands up and in, you know, in a very serious manner, obviously with the pandemic and what we're facing there as a country and as a society. But it, it, Novak was far and away the favorite, you know, he's chasing history. We were without Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal here. That was a big loss for the tournament. Rafa chose not to come because of covid and Roger's out for the year because of a surgery that he just had, and so it really was Novak's title to win, and everyone felt like that, and it was kind of the new guard, the younger guys against Novak for right. the title, and it, it was that match was for a spot in the quarterfinal. So honestly, Jason's too bad, but I, I do have to say I work with a lot of these people year round, the officials, and they take their jobs really seriously, and you know there there's a rule book in place. For a reason. And, you know, it got headline news, and I saw it on ESPN and sports Center and all of that. And I think there were some hot takes from the talking heads in sports, which is fine. I mean, that's what the situation is going to have. But from an inside tennis perspective, I know you know I spent my life traveling the tennis tour. The right call was made in the situation that was at hand.
1: Nick McCarville joining us from the U.S. Open, sitting in Arthur Ashe Stadium, and uh, appreciate his time here on the Jason Walker Show. Obviously Novak very upset, very apologetic. How's the line judge now? Because I know that uh, somebody in media put her Instagram up and she's been getting lit up like it was her fault, but um, obviously it's not. But how's she doing? And Novak's apology seemed, seemed real.
4: Yeah, I actually can't speak to her condition. Um, I don't know how she's doing physically. At least the messaging that night was that she was doing okay. Um, yeah. And then, you know, social media is just such a slippery slope. Yeah. I mean, you and I, you have your show. I work in media myself. Like we, I think we enjoy so much of it because it connects us and we're passionate about things. And um, sports obviously lives a good part of its life on social media too. And I think that a lot of people just felt very wrong by what we were just talking about, by the ruling, mm-hmm. and they went after her, and she had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, I mean, people were saying that she she overacted, or, you know, no one knows how you're going to feel in a situation when you get hit with a ball in the throat when you're not, you know, your eye wasn't on that ball, the point was over, they were between games. I mean, there's just so many factors. And then I actually had to go as far as, posting to his social media to ask fans to stop harassing her, which is, again, that's the slippery slope of social media. But, yeah, listen, I actually thought his apology post previously was pretty well done. I think his team obviously came up with that, and he signed off on it, which I thought was great. Um, I I was a little disappointed that he didn't come to media. So the players are required to do press. After each time they take the court, or if a, a walkover, if they, you know, if a match gets canceled or someone pulled out injured or what have you, that's their duty to the tournament and to the organization. And Novak opted not to do that. He left uh, the U.S. Open site here pretty quickly after he was defaulted, disqualified, and I thought that was kind of disappointing. Uh, I know it was a tough situation, but. Um, He opted not to do that and instead put out a statement. I'm sure we'll hear from him at some point uh, through a different medium. Um, But he was fined $20,000 for that. He was fined another $10,000 for the encore infraction, stripped of his prize money, stripped of his ranking points for the tournament. Uh, You know, it was was an ordeal. Um, I do wish, though, that he would have stopped and it would have been a tough conversation. But that he would have spoken with the world press a- after that before he left the U.S. Open.
1: Absolutely, I completely agree. Uh, U.S. Open commentator, also doing some work for uh, Olympic Channel. We'll talk about that too. But Nick McCarville joining us. All right, final question on this, Nick. But and I sure you, I'm sure you've seen the the picture. But uh, from the New York Post, they, they said Novak Djokovic's excessive punishment terrible for U.S. Open. But then the, the comparison that, that Serena acted like a sore loser. Uh, from a couple of years ago this is um hard to you know there's a lot of stuff on twitter saying it was racial and and in my take nick it wasn't racial as much as it was sexist to compare the difference between novak and serena obviously novak's an accident serena has a history of losing her temper at the open um but what was your take
4: well, I think they're two different. I think they're two different scenarios, you know. And um, people love to compare apples and oranges and pretend that they're the same. Mm-hmm. And Serena's infraction was dealt with in the rule book, and a lot of people felt like Serena's issue was handled uh, harshly. And that's when I go back to the rule book, and you look at Carlos Ramos was in the chair for that match, and he's legendary as far as the way that he officiates and the way that he goes by the book. And we have Sorum Framel who's here doing the he's the tournament referee for the US Open. And I saw that New York Post stuff and listen, that columnist it wants headlines, he wants clicks. Um, I just I think it's tough though and, and tennis I think it's I think it's just an interesting one because tennis is a little bit out of the mainstream, out of those big four sports, I think that you talk about every day on the show. And so then when something like this big comes up And we go to the rule book, Will people say, well, what's wrong with the rules? And Serena should have this, and Novak should have that. And those of us inside the court are saying, yeah, let's always, of course, we should always look at the rule book and see how do we make things better? How do we make things more fair? But it's written there as it is for now. So you can't just, uh, the situational sort of nitpicking at these different things, it just doesn't, that's not the way that rules are written. A rule is there so that it can then be applied to, to a certain situation, not so that it can be changed or massaged in different ways. And so I look back at the Serena decision and sure, you know, a lot of people feel as though it should have been handled differently. Should she have been punished more harshly? Was she punished too harshly? I mean, you can it's across the board, people's feelings on all of it. To me, the baseline is you go back to the written rule. What does it say? That's what it is. It has to be applied, and then you move on. Because otherwise, then it just becomes too—it uh, becomes too subjective for people' uh, opinions to be thrown around. And um, no shock that New York Post wants headlines and clicks and reactions. So that—that that is what it is.
1: Nick McCarville joining us here, Jason Walker show. What's it been like watching inside the stadiums with nobody there?
4: Well, I have to say, uh, you know, I'm year with the USPA, with the US Open, and I really do feel like they've done a sensational job. I mean, you and I have spoken a few times in the last few months. I was in Mm -hmm. Helena for almost six months between the break on tour and coming back, and this is the largest sporting event in the world that's been able to restart, in a sense. You look at the NBA bubble you look at the MLB and the NHL and what they've been able to do, obviously some global soccer that's happening around the world and some different sporting events, but those have been, you know, either bubbled or one-off events where you just don't have all of the mechanisms in place here. And, and I said at the top of the interview, I've now gone to a private little spot in the stadium where no one else is around me and no one else can see me. So then I've taken my mask off because I know it. States, right. Whereas everywhere else on the grounds, I'm not exaggerating unless you're a player or a trainer or a coach and you're on court or you're warming up or cooling down, you're in a mask and we're in masks for commentary until we get right into our booth we're given sanitized headsets the door closes and you see your commentary partner on the screen because they're in the room next door. I mean they are not joking around and that is actually I think some listeners might say well it's ridiculous. You're going too far but we're in the reality in the midst of a pandemic. I certainly feel it here in New York than I more so than I felt it in Helena when I was home. And so as a big sporting event, you have to be able to say, how are we going to put this on safely not only for the athletes, but for the hundreds if not thousands of people who are uh, hoping to have work out of these events so that we can provide this TV product. I mean, ESPN has had now two weeks of full U.S. Open coverage. It's going around the world to Amazon Prime, Eurosport, Wawa wow in Japan. I mean, those are big markets. It's a big industry. And from what I understand, you know, the Olympics are doing everything that they can to make sure that they're going to be able to do something similar or, or you know, that they're going to have some sort of legs to stand on for Tokyo next summer because that's obviously... <laughs> an event that happens once every four years that people would really like to see happen.
1: Nick McCarville joining us here, Jason Walker Show. All right, let's talk about the players that are still remaining. Obviously, Serena, the favorite on the women's side. Um, I saw saw a tweet, was it last night from her match? But it was obviously with no crowd and no commentators. You can really hear her grunts in that stadium. Um, But she seems to, just after getting past Sloan Stevens, on Saturday, she seems to be rolling now, and obviously, with one and two seats gone, it seems to be hers. Although, there is a surprise, and I've been following on Twitter, but Jen Brady has been uh, kicking some tail.
4: Yeah, totally. And actually, it's less so the Serena grunts and more just like the intensity. I mean, so, her, you know, the players are allowed their camp, which is up to three people. And I think because Serena and Venus obviously are from the same family, they've gotten. Crossover, So, like, Sister Isha has been around, and so they've got a couple more people there cheering on for Serena. And you just can hear the intensity of the come-ons and the the sort of pumping herself up and, yes, the grunting, too, and just the sound of the movement on court, the squeaking of the shoes, the the hitting of the ball off the racket. Um, She looks really good. You know, I, I think it's the big headline to say that Serena is the favorite. I still don't think on form that maybe she's played the best tennis. Of this tournament. Now, that said, I actually thought that Sloane Stevens might give her more of a test, and Serena was able to close that out in three sets. She sort of found her way and then steamrolled. Um, she looks really good. She's got Svetlana Parankova, that's tomorrow. That's two moms on tour, Parankova coming back, having giving birth as well. Serena gave birth in 2017, Parankova in 18. Victoria Azarenka is still in. A lot of people are excited about her. She's had a good run of home the last couple of weeks, Jason. Um, you mentioned Jen Brady. She's uh, someone that on the tennis tour, a lot of people have been excited about the way she's played in the last couple of years, but she hasn't necessarily had a breakout event. Well, now that's arrived, this is, this is it. Um, she's on the other half of the draw from Serena, so she, we're waiting to find out if she'll play Shelby Rogers, who's another breakout American player or Naomi Osaka, who is a two-time slam champ and who has played really, really good tennis. It kind of feels to me right now like Osaka is playing the best tennis out of the seven women now that we have remaining. Um, But yeah, you know, when you get into the quarterfinals of a major, it's really hard to pick against Serena because of her history because she's won more than anyone else in the open era, and she's going... She once again is trying to get to 24 majors, which would tie the all-time record.
1: Would there be an asterisk? Because I mean, we know how good she's been, and she's tried for 24 for a few years, but without a lot of the top stars there, because you know um, Ash Barty's not there. You have a different, you know, a lot of players that aren't there because of the COVID. Um, but it's still Serena, so I would. I mean, yes or no on an asterisk.
4: I just don't think we can, you know, are, are the NBA champions going to have an asterisk? I don't know. That's you just know, it. World Series, the, the the Stanley Cup. I just, I don't think that's fair to the athletes. You show up and, you know, Ash Barty didn't come. Rafael Nadal's not here. We're without Simone Halep. Bianca Andres is the defending champ. I mean, yeah, there's some top players missing here. I also will say the quarterfinals on both the men's and women's side, uh, there's a few names that you guys might not recognize in Helena, but, I tell you, a lot of the people in tennis are like, yeah, these are really dang good tennis players. So I think for me, it's always about, you know, when you look at Roger Federer's 20 majors, or Serena Williams' 23 majors, some of them, were they harder to win than others? Yeah, of course. But you play the matches that are in front of you. So do you say that just because... There, there wasn't X player or Y player that that is worth half a slam. I just, you know, I, I think that's, again, kind of the same thing as the rule book. It's like, well, a slam is a slam. And so and I also think from a player perspective, you know, I'm watching these guys now. They've been on court for almost three hours. I'm watching a quarterfinal. And, again, Jason, there's 50 or 100 people here, and there's a smattering of claps every now and then. Now, ESPN is doing automated crowd noise for people at home through IBM AI. So you guys see, if it's a really good point, the AI gives you a little more crowd noise and broadcast. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, these guys are playing for their, like, three people in their camp. And it is physical, and I actually think it's probably a, a, a different and harder mental challenge than some of these Players have ever faced. Sure. So I actually think, you know, instead of an athlete, give them three plus signs uh, for (laughs) winning the title because just in the sense of like competing at the highest level, and I think a lot of the athletes in Montana would understand this. You know, you go out there in these pressure situations, and no matter if you're playing in front of ten people and her or a a full stadium of ten thousand fillings, you you compete. At the level that you're asked to. And this level, I have to say, is off the charts. And these athletes are incredible. And the mental, the way that they've mentally tuned in to the controlled environment, the social distancing measures, the fact that they're wearing masks all the time when they're not on the court, and that they're not in Manhattan. You know, they're not going for a nice Italian dinner downtown uh, in Soho. They are, they're going back <laughs> to their hotel room great they've put on some really great um activities for them at the hotel they've got an outdoor space that they can use there you know they're not locked away but uh, this is a different kind of challenge and i think that these athletes should actually be lauded for coming here and and putting forth the effort that they have
1: nick mccarville joining us here jason walker show a couple final questions but so who wins on the men's side and who wins on the women's side
4: well, initially I picked Maddie Keys to win the women's event. She was looking really good, Jason, and that's has got an injury in the third round, so she's out. It's really hard to pick against Serena um, ever, I think, in life. <laughs> um, so, you know, I I really would love to see Serena take this title. I think right now for me, it feels like Serena Osaka and Azarenka because they've really been here before. Those are your three. Um, those are your three front runners. It would be an Azarenka Serena semi-final. And then if either of those players were to get to the final and Osaka was to make the final, then there's your matchup there. Um, I cheated a little bit. Final answer would probably be Serena just because, why not? Sure. And then from the start, Jason, I picked Dominic Thiem. Um, he's been in, I think he's been in three slam finals previously, two at the French and one at the AO earlier this year. Um, I just, you know, he, uh, Sasha Zverev, who I'm watching right now, and then Daniel Medvedev, who made the final mm-hmm. here last year. Those are kind of the three guys that are still him that everyone has been talking about. You've got the young kid, Dennis Shapovalov from Canada. You've got a young guy named Alex Diminar from Australia. You've got a veteran named Pablo Carreño Busta. I, I mean, there's a lot of good tennis being played, but I picked team from the start, so I, I can't abandon my horse when he's still
1: well, absolutely was,
4: not. They came with common agreement. <laughs> um,
1: and he, it, it's almost feels like it's his time. You know, we we always talk about the the big three or the, even the big four sometimes, but it's it seems like it's a younger guy's time now. Novak gave him a chance because of getting you know tossed out, which we talked about earlier. But team has been impressive the last couple of years, and it seems like I said he would be the one to take that next step.
4: Yeah, and you know, people, it's funny, like we're thinking about asterisks and time and all that kind of stuff in 2009 when rafael nadal was beaten at the french open for the first time he had won five titles from 04 to 08 and he loses in the fourth round to robin Soderling. and all the pressure goes to roger federer because he had never won that title and federer had a really hard time getting across the finish line i think he was down maybe two sets to one to Tommy Haas. He had to move through that match. Robin Saddling was tough in the final. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, Rafa's out. Roger's going to win the French. And so now it's like, okay, we didn't have Rafa and Roger. Andy Murray lost early. We have no Stan Bavrinka And now Djokovic has been DQ'd. So it's like any of these guys, Zverev, Team, and Medvedev, from my perspective, it's, it's very even. And it's like, who is going to step up and I think that's what I hope people at home are giving these athletes a chance to really prove themselves and click on ESPN and, and just enjoy the tennis for what it is. And hopefully in the next two, three, four years, you guys in Montana and beyond can enjoy these guys' household names because a Dominic team quality of tennis is honestly pretty much on par with Rafael Nadal quality of tennis. He just have, has not had those. This is obviously same career achievements yet that Rafa has had.
1: It's crazy to think about. He's 27, I think, He uh, Dominic team is. So, um, all right. So we, we got the French Open coming up soon. They say came out and said they're going to try to lost spectators. Do you see it happening?
4: Uh, I mean, I know that, you know, the FFC, I think, is doing everything to put that tournament on. And I, I work with the FFC uh, on a consistent basis. I think it's going to be tough. You know, I think that they're going to do their best. I, I hope that they can do uh, a, a safe environment the way that the USTA has. I think the U.S. Open, you know, if they would have been given an, an extra month like Paris has had to put together some sort of format for fans, maybe. But I don't know, Jason. Uh, you know, this thing is sticking around. And uh, I think in Helena, it kind of felt far away. In New York, it feels much closer for mm-hmm. me personally. Um, you know, Paris has seen cases go back up. I know that they're only selling a certain percentage of tickets. The social distance measures are really strict. But I have to say, like, even just as an uh, employee being on site here at the U.S. Open, it, it's, it's really strict. And sometimes they're kind of like, God, you know, dang, like, this is hard to do. Wearing the mask all the time, not, cut, you know, not shaking anyone's hands, not being even our, co- our commentary colleagues. It's like, don't crowd in the hall together. If you don't have a conversation, please do. Go outside, sit in the stands, like, you know, be social distance. Uh, are, are you going to be able to get 20,000 people a day to do that kind of stuff? Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I I can tell that obviously, um, you know, the FFC is hopeful and the French Open is hopeful. And the other thing I just want to say to you right now, I'm watching Naomi Osaka walk off the practice court below Arthur Ashe Stadium. And it is, it's still so crazy to me. She's leaving the practice facility which honestly normally would have a couple thousand people screaming her name and asking for autographs and selfies, and she, she could be anyone. She could be me and you leaving the Civic Center course after a, a wow. sweaty mess of a 3 cent mess, and, and no one cares.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I did want to get this out there because I, not many people know this back in your hometown of Helena, but you're starting working for uh, the Olympic Channel. What's that going to entail?
4: Yeah, so I've been with them for a couple months. Um, the Olympic channel is based out of Madrid and I'm one of two producers now working in the U S uh, my colleague Scott Bregman is in Chicago and yeah, listen, you know, we, our job, our goal, our task is to tell stories of Olympians year round. And it's a job that I'm really excited about. And we produce really cool stories on, you know, a lot of unheralded athletes who right now are facing a tough time with COVID-19 and the delay of the Olympics. And I think probably some budgetary challenges as far as trying to make it with training for the next 11 months, 10 months. And so um, the Olympic Channel has, a, uh, they're obviously partners with NBC in the U.S. because NBC is our rights holder in, for the Olympics. I think people would know that. But mm-hmm. then we have a whole team of producers, writers, uh, bloggers, podcasters. And I do a mix of content for our website, olympicchannel.com. And then you can easily find us on social media on all platforms just at Olympic channel. And yeah, I'm going to be doing some writing. I've done a couple Instagram Instagram live video interviews, some packages, um, just kind of a whole content suite for all of the digital stuff. And I'm going to do a lot of tennis stuff. You know, I do figure skating as well. Yep. Um, I, I've already done some different stuff on cycling athletes and track and field and swimming. And it's just a pleasure to like, not only get to know some new athletes, but be able to get to tell their stories. And, yeah, if you guys haven't, check it out, uh, olympicchannel.com.
1: Yeah, no, it's you do fantastic work. I wanted to ask you this, and I've wanted to ask you this for a couple of years. If you weren't doing what you do, what else would, what would you have gone then done?
4: Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I, you know, my first year in New York, I was, like blogging and I was working at a coffee shop and I was like not making any money. And I was just, I was pulling out a friend's couch every night because I, we shared a studio apartment and I, one of my big interests, my dad worked at Carroll for years and one of my big interests was student development. And so okay. I had applied for a student development program and I actually got a couple great offers to go to, to graduate school for, you know, higher ed student development. And something in my gut just told me not to do it. And I had a couple of friends who called me and they were like, what do you, you know, you have these scholarships and this great opportunity. And I was working at a coffee shop. It was kind of like, what are you doing with your life at 24? And I, my gut kind of told me to stay. And so I think I'd be in higher ed, um, which wouldn't make me better off right now because of all the challenges <laughs> that colleges and universities are facing, but yeah I, I love working with people obviously I think that's why I love telling athlete stories especially kind of outside the big big sports these knit sports mm-hmm. i I find really fascinating um and then you know I, if I would have been in a university system it would have been similar like working with young people helping them tell their stories or realize their stories I guess I'm not quite sure the correlation but that was really the only other thing I had pursued other ways and then yeah you know I, I love I love what we do, like communication, PR, writing, storytelling, video, that kind of stuff. Um, Those are all, those are all in another lifetime. I was a, you know, KTVH six o'clock anchorman, (laughs) but um, (laughs) maybe, maybe someday down the road, but no, I'm, I'm very happy, lucky. I, I feel hashtag blessed to be able to do the work that I do
1: well I'm I'm the blessed one to get to, to chat with you I did run into your dad the other day on the golf course and he said you are oh. more than welcome to come home anytime um, <laughs> but are you so are you back in New York full-time now
4: I am yeah oh, okay. and, you know I spent five months at home and it was fantastic <laughs> and if anyone wants to challenge Tom McCarvo at Green Meadow he has been playing he's very you know he's not one to shoot his own horn, but he's playing some really dang good golf. Yep. Um, I think at 70-plus, I won't say how old he is. But, <laughs> he, uh, he um, yeah, he's been out there a lot. And I've been happy about, you know, I think sometimes in Montana it's been tougher for people to understand the, the seriousness of this pandemic. And um, and I don't say that in a politically charged way. I say right. that just in the sense that this is real. And in New York, you can really feel it. And um I've been really happy with my parents of you know getting out on the golf course my mom goes walking hiking every day and that's that's what we got to do right now and hopefully get through this thing in the in the next few months few oh. years or so
1: of all the people that you miss in the family do you miss a little was it little nephew is that the 18 month old <laughs> there's
4: <laughs> there's seven of them right now in Helena but yeah I was my brother's got two little girls so a uh, uh, little. They, niece. I miss them. I don't know really
1: if they miss me. Oh, of course they do. Hey, your dad's got great hair. You got great hair. I can see where you get it from. Um, (laughs) Keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to seeing more of your stuff on the uh, olympicchannel.com. And what's cool about it, like you said, Nick, is that it's not, you know, talking to Roger Federer and Rafael Rafael Nadal or these guys. You're talking to to non-household names, that soon will be a household name as soon as we get the Olympics back, and I think that's great work for you. For you and and you do great jobs. So um, I love. Someday I'd love to have you tell my story.
4: All right, let's let's do it. Can't <laughs> wait. Thanks, Jason. I always I always appreciate our stuff. Thanks, Thanks Nick.
1: Talk to you soon.
4: Okay. Bye, okay, bye. bye.
1: Nick McCarville joining us, uh, Jason Walker show on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline, and you know he's just a great dude. And he's, he's so, seriously, just so talented at what he does, which is writing and interviewing. He's fantastic. And uh, OlympicChannel.com, make sure you check out some of Nick's stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a hell of a dude. Went to Capitol and uh, knows, knows the tennis, knows the world, and he's fantastic. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Uh, and when we do, we have On This Day in History. And got some final scores from soccer. Is there a new state record for boys' soccer? Most goals in a game. We'll find out next when we return. Jason Walker Show presented by Capital Collision Center. Coming right back. Yeah. Or you can visit him at 2001 11th Avenue, Building A, Suite 3 in Helena. Major Mortgage is a division of AMCAP Mortgage, NMLS number 129122. Equal housing lender. Do you love to look at photos of Montana from animals to landscapes and more? Are you looking for a place to get your senior pictures or family portraits done? Are you a business owner looking to upgrade the decor in your offices? Well, look no further than Mark LaRoe Photography.
0: Welcome back to the Jason Walker Show.
1: Uh, final segment on a Tuesday. That is a live look, thanks to EarthCam, at Big Sky. Uh, I think we got more snow in our uh, tippy tops of the mountains, hillsides around Helena than uh, Big Sky did. But uh, there you go. Thanks to EarthCam. Good stuff segment brought to you by Mark LaRoe Photography. Make sure you check out Mark's fantastic gallery online right now from Helmville. Two days worth of rodeo and Mark's got some killer stuff that you can purchase. And if you do, mention the Jason Walker Show. I'll give you a 20% off. Also, if you book a senior portrait picture family package, any of packages for portraits, uh, and mention the show, you'll get a, a free 8x10 canvas or matte print. Mark Leroe, Fun chatting with uh, Nick McCarville. He's so much fun to talk with. Just he's just a great dude, and uh, appreciate him taking a half hour out of his time today to uh, to uh, to check in with us from the U.S. Open. And it's cool to get a perspective that you know we don't normally get because. You know, as much as I would like to go to the U.S. Open someday, I'm not sure it'll happen. The one I really want to go to, of all the tennis grand slams, is uh, Australia. I would love to go to the Australian Open. Because it's summer in Australia, for one. And, uh, wow. Just got some, uh, just saw some news on the Twitter political stuff that, unbelievable. Um, okay. Oof. All right, uh, let's see, what else were we... Oh, there was some sad news today. So remember, was it, uh, what, two months ago that the treasure, Forrest Fenn's treasure, was found and supposedly was found in Wyoming. Now, Forrest Fenn was... Well, he gained fame. He was an antiquities dealer. He was an author. uh, Gained fame for uh, this treasure that he had hid with gold, jewels, and other valuables. Uh, he, he passed away Monday at his home in Santa Fe. He was 90. But, uh, yeah, so found find, he held on till someone found the treasure. So supposedly, the uh, treasure had um, gold dust rare gold coins, gold nuggets, pre-Columbian animal figures, prehistoric mirrors of hammered gold, ancient Chinese faces carved from jade, and antique jewelry with rubies and emeralds. And he always said he hid the treasure as a way to uh, tempt people to get outdoors and get into the wilderness. Um, There's a great story on it, on uh, Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates. But... uh, it was, uh, it, was, it was a fun story, but uh, sad news is Forrest, Forrest has been, uh, Forrest fan passed away yesterday. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Oh, there was some other sad news. And this of the football variety, Jermaine Stevens, 6'3 defensive tackle for Cal University of Pennsylvania. It's a D2 football, sc- uh, D2 school, died um, it was, uh, recently. He was 20. School announced it today. His uh, dad was a first-round draft pick in the, the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1996, played five seasons in the NFL. But uh, younger Jermaine, who was to be a senior, appeared in 32 games in the three previous senior, uh, seasons. And uh, reports are saying that he passed um, in part because of complications from COVID-19. This is a 20-year-old. We talked about the 19-year-old out in Puyallup that passed away. Healthy kids. Healthy kids. But COVID doesn't affect the youngsters, remember? So, All right, let's do... Uh, oh, auto concept performance of the week. So we have a leader for next week. Drew Johnson of Bozeman. Uh, the Hawks boys beat Belgrade 8-0 today. Johnson had six first-half goals. He did not get a goal in the second half. But... Uh, he tied the state record of goals in a game at six. And he did all that in the first half. Uh, let's see. Helena High Girls got a win. Uh, Rachel Plaster had a uh, hat trick. So we got a couple of leaders for next week already. But this week's Auto Concepts Performance of the Week, we stay with soccer. Laurel on Saturday downed Hamilton 10-1. to Maya Mack had four goals. Morgan Mack had three. That's seven of the ten. Does that feel like a Mac truck hit you, Hamilton? Because it did. Maya and Morgan combining for seven of the ten Laurel goals. Laurel's so good. I know they lost uh, earlier, I think, uh, this season, but they're really good. They're that's the defending state champs. I think they've won two in a row, three in a row. But Laurel girls' soccer is really good. So that's your auto contest performance of the week. The Max from Laurel. Uh, All right, let's get to On This Day in History. It is September the 8th. It is National Ampersand Day. It is also National Ants on a Log Day. 1894, Thomas Edison employed William K.L. Dixon to film the first boxing match. It was held at West Orange, New Jersey. It was an exhibition between world heavyweight champ James Corbett and Peter Courtney. A 1939, Bob Feller, at the age of 20, became the youngest pitcher to win 20 games. 1957, Althea Gibson wins the first of two singles championships at the U.S. National Championship. 1960, at the Rome Olympics, Wilma Rudolph won her third gold medal of the games. She uh, won the, was part of the four by 100. Also, had won the one and the two. 1963, Warren Spahn ties Christy Matthewson, 13-20 win seasons. 1968, the U.S. Open, Arthur Ashe wins the first Open-era U.S. title. 1969, Margaret Court wins her third singles title at the U.S. Open, her 16th Grand Slam singles event. And then on this day, 1973, she won her 24th and final Grand Slam singles title. That's the one that Serena Williams is trying to beat, their tie. Margaret Court won 64 Grand Slam tournament titles, 24 singles titles, 19 doubles titles, and 21 mixed doubles titles. She, you can't, you, there's an there's a argument there that she's the greatest tennis player of all time. Now, people are going to say Serena, but 64 Grand Slam tournament titles, that's a lot. 1974, Jimmy Connors won the first of his five U.S. Opens. 1974 as well, Evel Knievel attempted to jump the Snake River Canyon in Idaho. He failed. 1979, Tracy Austin became the U.S. uh, youngest champ at the U.S. Open. 16 years, 9 months. 1985, Pete Rose ties Ty Cobb, 4,191 hits. 1990, Gabriella Sabatini. Uh, the only Argentine woman to win a Grand Slam singles event, Gabriella Sabatini. She was fun to watch. 2002, Pete Sampras won the 14th and final Grand Slam title, beat Andre Agassi. 2008, Roger Federer uh, got his fifth consecutive U.S. Open. Uh, birthday today. Patsy Klein was born in this state in 1932, also known as Virginia Hensley. But. Uh, her 19, yeah, 1932, Patsy Klein born. Uh, also, happy birthday to Pink. Alicia Beth Moore, the singer, uh, was born in Pennsylvania on this day in 1979. I didn't realize Pink was that old. I mean, she's almost as old as I am, but uh, congratulations, happy birthday to Pink. We all, nope, we let's do this.
0: We're almost at the end of the show. What did we learn? And what did he miss? Time for the walk-off.
1: All right, big thanks to uh, Nick McCarville for joining us today. Nick uh, sitting in Arthur Ashe Stadium and hanging out uh, watching tennis. And it was just cool to check in with him. And uh, we'll check in with him down the road more and more. But uh, Nick McCarvel, the capital product, hanging out at the U.S. Open. He picks Dominic Team and Serena Williams to win it. But if you missed anything from today's show or any show, you can go to JasonWalkerShow.com. And if you'd like to weigh in anytime, you can. You can email us, JasonWalkerSports at gmail.com. You can Facebook us. You can tweet at Jay Walker Sports. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of us. And like I said... Just go to JasonWalkerShow.com. Tomorrow, Flint Rasmussen. We will talk to the famed PBR entertainer, Billings PBR. This weekend, Jess Lockwood returns. We'll talk to Flint Rasmussen coming up tomorrow. Later in the week, Nicole Rigoni. That's what she said coming up Thursday. And we will talk to Joe Frost. Super Nanny will join us. Later in the week as well, here on the Jason Walker Show. Have yourself a great Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Supposed to be warming up again, which would be cool. It's way too early to be this cold. See you tomorrow
0: at 4, Jason Walker Show with Flynn Rasmussen. The Jason Walker Show is produced by the Jason Walker Media Company. Any reuse, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of the Jason Walker Show is strictly prohibited. Just listen, watch, and enjoy.